Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Delicious Ella podcast with me, Ella Mills, and my husband and business partner, Matthew Mills. Hi, everyone. So today we're talking about food waste, and we're going to jump straight in with a little list of pretty terrifying facts. So over one third of all food produced around the world goes to waste. The annual value of food wasted globally is $1 trillion. An area larger than China is used to grow food that is never eaten every day. 25% of the world's fresh water supply is used to grow the food that is never eaten. There are about 1 billion people in the world who go hungry. We could feed all of them on less than a quarter of the food that is wasted in the US, UK and Europe alone. And if food waste was a country, it would be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases after China and the US. In the UK alone, we throw away 25 million slices of bread every day. That's alongside 6 million potatoes and 1.4 million bananas. And in most developed countries, over half of all food waste is happening at home. So what we've learned from this is that this issue is so much larger than so many of us appreciate. And I think it's quite easy for us to dismiss it as someone else's problem or to focus solely on more visible examples of waste, um, things that are happening in restaurants or shops, for example. But actually, what we're learning is that as individuals, we play a massive role in this. So today's guest, Tessa Clark, is the co-founder of an incredible company called Olio, who we've worked with for the last 18 months or so to try and eliminate any food waste in our deli. We'll get on to how the app works a little later, but let's start off by diving a little deeper into what's really going on with food waste. It's rolling climate change and our worries about the health of our planet. So Tessa, first of all, thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure. Can you give us a bit of background on the way Olio came about and how it was founded? Yeah, so three and a half years ago, I was living in Switzerland and was moving back to the UK. And on moving day, the removal men said that I had to throw away uh, all of our food. And this was perfectly good, edible, non-perishable food. uh, And I just wasn't going to do that. So I packed up my newborn baby and my toddler and much to the removal men's irritation sort of abandoned them and set out onto the streets to try and find someone to share this food with. And the lady that I had been hoping to be able to give the food to uh, wasn't in her usual spot that day. Um, and I got a little sort of over-emotional that I'd gone to all this effort to share this food and have failed. I then contemplated knocking on my neighbour's doors, but just thought that's really, really inefficient. And also it could be really awkward and embarrassing. They don't know who I am. They might not want what I've got. And I'd been working in the world of digital for about 10 or 15 years before that. 
And I knew there was an app for absolutely everything. And I just could not believe that there wasn't an app where I could share our food, which is sort of the most basic of of things. And it was through that experience that uh, I just wished there had been an app where I could share food with my neighbours. And so I pitched the idea to my co-founder, Sasha, and she immediately got it. And we decided that we needed to try and make this happen. Unbelievable. Can we start with talking about what's happening in the UK? Are we really throwing away 25 million slices of bread every day? Yeah, it's shocking and hard to believe, isn't it? I, it I really is. I can't even yeah. begin to picture that I, much bread. I kept thinking, I was saying to Ella, is that you sure that's not a year or is that not yeah, uh, at least in a month for every I, day? I did some research to find out that that must be sort of shops and bakeries and everybody included know that 25 million slices is, is us in households. And oh my gosh, sorry, that's not including what could be wasted yeah. in shops and yeah. that's simply at home. And how that works, so it's hard to get your head around, um, but how it works is we, we have about 27 million households in the UK. Okay. And so they're each throwing away, you know... About one piece of bread a day. Roughly, yeah, yeah. You know, so it kind of reaches the end of the week and you haven't quite finished off that loaf of yeah. bread, you toss it in the bin. And it doesn't feel like a big deal when you're of course, doing it yourself. because it's one piece. It's one piece, it's two pieces, it's three pieces... It's not a big deal, right? But actually, there are 27 million other households, and this is just in the UK, who are all doing the same thing. And the UK isn't alone in this, right? We we're should, not. We no. shouldn't feel kind of like no. we're really naughty <laughs> and everyone else is really good. This no. is a worldwide issue. It's a global problem. Yeah. And what happens to most of this waste? Does it go to landfill or...? Uh, sadly, yes. Uh, at the moment, the vast majority of food waste does end up in, in landfill. Um, and what's really, really problematic about that, apart from all the resources that have been wasted to, mm. to create it, is that when food waste decomposes without access to oxygen, which is what it does in landfill, it creates methane. And methane is 23 times more deadly than CO2. Right. So, um, and methane's a big problem for our climate change a really, issue, right? Really big problem for climate change. Yeah, there is an increasing amount of food wastes being diverted to anaerobic digestion, um, which is great. But it, in all honesty, it's only slightly better than landfill because, again, all of those resources have been used, um, and it's just a very inefficient way to generate energy. And when that food waste is diverted, is that I know, for example, like Hackney, they have a food waste as part of the council's waste yeah, they collection. Have food waste is that, collection. Is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah. So but I'll, most councils don't have that. It sadly, seems. many councils do yeah. not have uh, food waste collections. No. But that's actually not even that much better. Is there a period in between when the food actually goes off, say, on a supermarket? Says it says it goes off on the 6th of September, but is there often actually a lag period where it still would be good to eat and if we redistributed it quickly, people who are in need could still eat it? So in short, yes, absolutely. Um, if you sort of dial back up a bit and look at the macro problem, so globally we have 800 million people who go to bed hungry every night and they could be fed on one quarter of the food that we waste in the Western world. Um, so wow. globally, we have more than enough food for everybody. And then if you sort of take it to here in the UK, um, so here in the UK, households, as we've discussed, are responsible for well over half of all food waste. So the average UK family throws away £800 sterling of food each year that could have been eaten. Collectively, that adds up to £15 billion 
£8,000 worth of food, essentially going into into landfill. Um, Sat alongside that, we have over 8 million people in this country who are living in food poverty. And the food that we waste just in our homes alone is more than enough to feed all of the people who are living in in food poverty. And so that's why we're really kind of on on a mission to try and sort of connect up that surplus food with people who want it or or sadly even need it. And what's the single most impactful thing that people can do or households can do to cut down on their food waste? I think the first thing to do is to plan your meals. And so at the beginning of the week or whenever is convenient for you, just to think ahead uh, what you and your family are going to eat for that week and then make sure that you go and shop to that plan because it's very easy when you go shopping. Um, Often you're tired, you're hungry, you're stressed, you might have screaming kids. You then see loads of great bargains and you end up just sort of you overbuy. You yeah. overbuy and you haven't necessarily exactly planned out your meal, so you just kind of toss it in the trolley. Um, you then get home and uh, by the end of the week, you discover that you've bought more than you need. Um, and at that point, uh, unless you share it on Olio, um, then it then it's too late. And is there a tip, is there a specific type of food that gets most wasted? Yeah, so you, you mentioned them sort of uh, in, in your introduction, but bread, potatoes, bananas, milk, um, all of the all of the sort of core staples. But the great thing is that many of those do have uh, tips sort of associated with them to help you preserve them. So bread, for example, in, in our household, we never get through a full loaf of bread uh, in a week. So we keep half out and pop the other half in the freezer. Yeah. And you can then just take it out of the freezer and stick it straight in the toaster if you want some toast. Uh, as you mentioned, products such as chicken, uh, actually often it's best just you meet to put it in the freezer, freeze it, and then to defrost it quickly in the microwave when you actually know that you're going to use it. Yeah, and there's so much. What I found as well is that people are quite nervous about cooking. You know, I don't think we're confident enough about cooking or um, spend enough time maybe in schools and things educating people and feeling comfortable in the kitchen. And so what I've noticed is that people will buy a bag of carrots because the recipe calls for four carrots. Mm-hmm. And then they'll, let's yeah. say, have two carrots left don't and they won't know them. what to do with them. Yeah. And so they'll get nervous. And so I think it's also about helping people feel confident and comfortable that you could roast those carrots alongside the other carrots and then you could put them in your hummus. You could blend them in your hummus or you could juice them or put them in the blender. You could do so much. that You could just make a veggie stew, you know, yeah. with tinned tomatoes, coconut milk, something like that. With all your leftover veggies, you could make a soup and then you could freeze the soup even if you don't want the soup that day so it's just kind of encouraging people to feel more comfortable to adapt recipes as Mm. well I think I I think you're absolutely right Um, and a big problem is actually sort of in schools Mm. we aren't teaching our children where food comes from so they don't necessarily know all the hard work and all the resources that's gone into producing it they aren't being taught um, how to cook food or how to preserve food, how to store food. So again, there are loads of great kind of storage yeah. tips and tricks that... Um, you can freeze almost anything things. You can well. freeze so, so many things. I mean, I, I since I've had my eyes kind of open to just how enormous this problem is, Google has become my best friend. Yeah. Um, and so if I do have three carrots left over, I will Google recipes with carrots or, or breadcrumbs, for example, is something I had never yeah. made. I had felt it sounds a bit silly now, but, you know, I'd assume that there was something complicated to do to make them. I was absolutely stunned to discover how easy it is to make breadcrumbs, how versatile they are after that. Um, and just felt very ashamed, actually, of all the bread that I'd been wasting uh, to date, just because I didn't know that simple little 
Yeah, trait. exactly. And like any overripe banana, you can either make banana muffins Smoothies, or, bra- or yeah. banana bread, exactly, or slice it, put it in the freezer, and it's so amazing in a smoothie. And yeah. you can like make a banana, you can use your leftover milk or oats or anything like that, and it's yeah. it's super simple. I've, I've definitely become, now I've got young kids, yeah. um, and I hate food waste. Smoothies have become my best friends. Yeah. Like the kids absolutely adore making them with me. It's a great way to kind of sneak lots of fruit and veggies yeah. in, and you can just bung anything everything. in, and they're half eaten apples. Mm. I no longer have to kind of eat them myself. I just <laughs> chuck them in, in, you know, in the smoothie with the brown bananas, yeah. and it's perfect. Yeah. So one question I had, and it's something we've actually talked about a lot at home, not solely about food waste, but about kind of what's going on with our climate change Mm -hmm. in general. And for us, a lot of that conversation has actually been about the plastic straw and the fact that our conversation about climate change has recently been so much around plastic straws and plastic bags as if those are the game changing issues of climate change at the moment and if I'm not mistaken plastic straws make up 0.03% of ocean plastic fishing nets are about 46% so it feels like we're potentially looking at the wrong areas and when Mm -hmm. I was reading up um, on this interview and reading a lot about the work that you do and earlier does it just struck me a little bit that it feels that this is part of the same conversation I mean Mm -hmm. we've been sharing this 10 list of facts we read at the beginning with everyone and it's I don't think anyone knows. No. And I'm just curious on your perspective on that. Like, is the conversation around climate change at the moment enough? Is it correct? Or is it that we actually are nervous to take responsibility as individuals in this because it's so much easier to say this is someone else's problem? Yeah. First of all, uh, I I think the conversation we're having about climate change isn't nearly urgent enough when you actually look at the the facts and what's happening. Um, With regards to kind of, uh, I'll touch on kind of food waste role first and then then go on to talk about climate change more broadly. But with regards to food waste, it really is one of the biggest problems facing humanity today and it's hidden in plain sight. But we never Um, talk about it. We never talk about it. And there was a report released last year called Project Drawdown where about 80 of the world's leading climate change scientists said, enough of the doom and gloom about climate change. Let's stack rank the top 100 solutions to the problem of climate change. Let's see what we can do to mitigate this. Uh, And in position number three was food waste and that came above electric cars and above solar power. Wow. So interesting. That's really interesting. So, and then what's super exciting is that actually in countries that we live in, half of all food waste takes place in the home. So that means, on the one hand, it's very depressing. Gosh, that means we are half of the problem of one of the largest sources of climate change. But flip it on its head, wow, that's hugely what exciting. Yeah. We don't have to wait for governments. We don't have to wait for businesses. We can just take action And it's not expensive ourselves. either, right? And like the well, idea of an electric... Money. Exactly. <laughs> it saves you, what, electric. £800 a year, yeah, did exactly. you say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whereas you're looking at lots of other stuff, like installing solar panels or electric cars. You know, these things are incredibly yeah. expensive options for people who yeah. want to make a difference. Yeah, and, and I think sort of, again, what we've discovered through Olio is Olio is absolutely about stopping food waste, um, but it's also actually about something a lot bigger than that, which is community. And I yes. think communities have an enormous role to play in climate change mitigation. So, for example, um, uh, just a, a concept that I came across 
fairly recently that just absolutely blew my uh, mind is this concept of Earth Overshoot Day. And that is the day in the year in which humanity has used up all of the resources that the Earth can replenish in a year. And when it was first measured back in 1969 and 1970, humanity lived in equilibrium with the planet. So Earth Overshoot Day was the 31st of December. This year, Earth Overshoot Day was the 1st of August. Wow. And so what that means is that Gosh. every single thing that every single one of us, seven, seven and a half billion people have consumed after the 1st of August is net, net depletive to the planet. So back to your original question about, you know, are we framing climate change sort of in the right way? Um, when you understand the severity of the, the, the severity issue. of that, you realise that actually what we have is we have a consumption problem. Yeah. Um, we are just taking resources out of the planet, we're using them for 5% of their life, and then we're tossing them into landfill. Our landfills are, are, are filling up. Our ocean, as we know, is... Filling up. Filling up. That's going to be, by 2050, it's going to be half plastic, half, plastic. half fish. Yeah. Um, so, actually... We, we do have a broader consumption problem and the solution to that is to do what humans have been doing for two million years, which is sharing. Um, so if I have something that I don't want or don't need, it is quite literally the world's precious resources being wasted, sat in my home, where there is someone across the street, round the corner, who would love to use that. And because they haven't got access to it right now, they're going out and buying something brand new, which is just taking more resources from the planet that's then going to sit in their house and not do much and then end up in landfill. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's and so have... much more than food, isn't it? That's fashion, that's it's, technology, it's, it's, it's everything, right? everything. Yeah. yeah, if you just look around your house and just look at all the stuff you have in it and then multiply that by... 27 million other houses just in the UK alone, you start to realise that we're sort of drowning in stuff. And we have another 2.2 billion people expected to join our planet by 2050. So in order to feed us all, how do we get around that? Well, that is um, an enormous challenge. And the honest answer is that today, no one knows how we're going to achieve that. So to feed 10 billion people by 2050, we need to increase global food production by 50%. But today... Which we don't have the capacity we to do. The, we're farming all the land that's available to be farmed. We've topped out on pesticides. We've topped out on GMOs. And the deforestation and the wildlife yep. extinction that would happen yep. if we started to push further is yep. really frightening. Yeah, so so we are... Well, there have to be a fundamental shift in diet. So there are foods, certain foods that take up a lot more of that mass than, than others that we'll have to shift towards. Well, what, what we argue is that if we need to increase food production by 50% to feed all of us by 2050, a great starting point would be to stop throwing away a third yep. of all the food we produce. Um, what we've got to do is really is reduce consumption because for every tonne of whatever substance we throw away from our households. And that's food, fashion, technology, etc. Everything. But when we throw away a tonne of stuff from our homes, another 70 to 80 tonnes of waste have been generated up the supply chain before that stuff even got to us. Wow. wow. And so this is why when you are throwing away that one thing that doesn't seem like that much, you're actually throwing away another you know, 70 to 80 times yeah. that amount that has happened before that product has even even reach your hands. Yeah, not to think about all the the imprint that that's had on the environment as well through, yeah. um, you know, transportation miles yeah, and things exactly. like that as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's just about it's about valuing food. 
And in our lifetime and in our children's lifetime, we are sort of looking down the barrel of pivoting from being in a world where there's far too much food to living in a world where there is not enough food for everybody. And that's a very scary that thought. That is a very, very scary thought. Everything that we know and think we understand about culture and society and countries and economies as they work today will be very, very challenged when there's not enough and food for all of us. And it's not just food, though, right, as well. It's water that's looking water, like a scarcity. Correct. And obviously... Yep. There's, you know, 25% of all the water in the world is used yeah. for food that's not consumed. Yeah, current, current projections, um, if I remember correctly, are saying that by 2030, our demand for water is going to exceed um, its capacity by 40%. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really interesting. We did a podcast with um, Holly Tucker, who founded Not on the High Street a couple yep. of weeks ago. It's a totally different topic. But she said something about starting a business. And she said, if you're listening, then you've got a dream. Like, now is the time. And for anyone listening, it feels like exactly this message is like, now, you know, from today, mm-hmm. we all have to make this personal commitment mm-hmm. that we will not throw away anything. We share it, we yep. freeze it, we repurpose it in some capacity because actually it's so easy to point fingers at other people, but we have a big, big responsibility as sort of sole human beings, right? So t- yeah. yeah, and Tessa, what seems, as we've talked about, as exciting about this issue is it's something that we can fix in our own homes. It doesn't yeah. need governmental policy. No. It doesn't need huge infrastructure, maybe like electric cars no. do. But what is actually happening on a governmental level to tackle this? Is is even close to enough being done or is it something that's just being swept under the carpet at the moment? Well, I think um, it sort of starts at the very top. So the UN um, has a set of goals. They're called the Sustainable Development Goals um, that are goals for the world uh, for 2030. And goal 12.3 is to halve food waste by 2030. Um, Sadly... When was that set, sorry? That was set, I think, back in 2015. Okay, uh, so a couple. Of, I could be wrong, but I think it was that sort of time frame. So a yeah. couple of years in, have we We're made any progress in. so far? Well, sadly, um, just uh, last week, Boston Consulting Group issued a global sort of state of play into the issue of food waste. And at the moment, we are on a trajectory to increase global food waste by a third, not to halve it by 2030. So we are absolutely Going going in the wrong direction. So, but it's really important that... Uh, an agency like the UN has set this sort of bold goal of halving food waste by 2030. And that is now starting to cascade down through countries and also through to uh, cities. So the city of London, for example, has has embraced uh, that goal um, that's in the, the sustainable development goals. But has it, right? Because well, as someone that lives in London... Yeah. <laughs> Other than through you and your incredible work, no one's advertising the power that I have as an individual. You know, it's interesting, like everyone's setting these goals, but the conversation appears to be completely lacking. You're absolutely right. So that conversation has not happened yet. I think it's because, so a lot of retailers and businesses um, have a very important role to play, but they feel that they can't yet shine the light onto consumers until they've sorted out their own house. And that's completely understandable. But it is worth pointing out that retailers are responsible for... So retail stores generate less than 5% of the food waste in this country, in comparison to us doing half. But they're not wanting to yet... um, really talk to their customers about this problem until they've kind of sorted out their own their own supply chains. 
but no, so no. I mean, not not nearly not nearly enough uh, is being done. We're not tackling this with the with the right level of urgency. But we hope that through people you know such as yourselves uh, and the work that we're doing, and lots of other amazing players um, in the space like Karma and Too Good to Go and Winnow. Ruby's in the rubble, snacked. So these are all startups. So again, for anyone who's listening, you know, this is a super exciting space to move into with more than enough opportunity for lots of players to try and help solve it. Um, And so I think it is thanks to sort of passionate entrepreneurs who are really trying to do our bit. But it, just feels, the word. it feels like such a new message, you know. It mm. feels like something that there's been so many trends and hot topics. It does feel like a it feels like a new topic to a lot of people. And I think for when we were talking to some friends and family about this episode and people back in our office, I don't think people have any idea the scale of the problem in this. And it's mm. actually I think it's really opened our eyes as well to the severity of this problem. Yeah. It's absolutely I, I terrifying. Remember, I can remember when uh, Sasha and I were Starting Olio, and, and the first thing we did was obviously sort of uh, desk research to check. So Olio was very much born from my own personal experience. But then when we did the desk research to look into the size of the problem, I felt like as we just uncovered horrific stat after horrific stat, it felt like you you know when you have a nightmare and you're mm. screaming and no one can hear you? It really did feel like that. I, I just could not comprehend that this was really happening because no matter which way you look at it, it's utter madness. So we have worked with you guys since April 2017, so almost 18 months now, because we were so passionate. Obviously, we're a tiny, tiny business, drop in the ocean, but we were really passionate about not having food waste. It actually found as a business, it was quite challenging. You know, there's lots of rules and regulations and Olio kind of completely saved the day. And in the first nine months alone, um, your volunteers at Olio collected 4,442 items, which is roughly 888 kilograms of food or 2,115 meals, which um, you calculated for us meant that 3,832 kilograms of carbon dioxide was diverted. I mean, to me, that was so crazy because we're very, very small. Mm -hmm. And the idea that if we achieve that saving, you know, that's a fraction of the picture of the work Olio is doing. So obviously working with big players like Pratt, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, etc. You know, how much have you guys done as a whole company? So, so that is what's really exciting because, um, so as of today, actually, we've just passed 600,000 uh, users. Congratulations. And thank you. Um, and they have together shared over three quarters of a million portions of food. Wow. Um, and that is the environmental equivalent of taking two million car miles off the road. Wow. And what's so exciting about that is we are doing about 0.001% of our full potential. Because if you can imagine a world where hundreds of millions or even billions of people are using Olio, we're sharing our most precious resource, which is food, then the impact we can have is just absolutely phenomenal. And and the impact also, it's not just an environmental impact. So taking 2 million car miles off the road is, is amazing. But equally as powerful is connecting neighbours um, to share. And so our users tell us that... And it creates community as it well. It creates community, yeah. Our users tell us, when I first heard about Olio, I just, I believed like you guys that food should be eaten, not thrown away. You know, I hate food waste. Once they've used the app, all they talk about is how amazing it was to meet a neighbour, how they feel connected with their community, how they feel safer mm-hmm. in the neighbourhood because actually their neighbours are no longer strangers, they're friends. Yeah. Um, 
And every single day we get emails and tweets and uh, other stuff on social media of people sharing just these incredible stories of just small acts of kindness that are taking place on a local community level. And, and it's really lovely. And, and especially when we hear stories where um, someone might tell us that, you know, thanks to Olio, my, my children are getting to eat this weekend. Wow. Um, that That's sort of, I'm getting teary in emotion. Yeah, just really saying powerful. that, sorry. Um, yeah, it's just it's just incredibly powerful. And I think the other exciting thing is that for real change to be made, it needs real backing, it needs real financing. Yeah. Olio has raised a lot of money to this point. You have to just celebrate yeah. a second because I know we're talking about food waste here, but Tessa is the most unbelievable female entrepreneur as well. So for any women listening, she's an amazing inspiration. She raised her and her partner Sasha raised six million dollars for Olio this year. I mean this is this is not a small little company. This is doing some serious stuff. And so what's the money going to be used for and, and what are the investors excited about with, with Olio? Yeah, so um, we've been a, a very small team of nine for two and a half years. Um, nine people for 600,000 users. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and this money is going to be used to double the size of the team. So we are so excited to bring on our first ever product designer, bring on someone who can help us with analytics, bring on lots of people to help us really grow the Food Waste Heroes program. So that's where we're rescuing and redistributing food from retailers. I think the the investors are excited by our vision of the future. Um, and it is an unashamedly bold vision, but it is one that we need to have. And so that, what's the vision? Well, it, we're aiming for a billion users in 10 years' time. Wow. And we are one, aiming... One in every seven people in the world. Yeah. Uh, I think at the moment, many people feel very disconnected from their local communities, and we want people to feel like they belong. And for sharing to be actually the default way of consuming. So when I think I need or I want something, I want to eat something or I want to buy something, actually my first thought will be, what can I find from my immediate community around me? And then we shop afterwards um, and buy sort of brand new what we can't find from our immediate community. So really it's about taking us back to our roots as humans. Um, and it feels great because sharing just, sort of, it, it just gives you a real endorphin hit whenever you sort of share something with someone who wants or needs it it's just a really fun experience and so for anyone listening first of all download earlier right now <laughs> it's a free app um it's going to change the world will you give you uh, our listeners just a little overview of kind of exactly how it works yeah. as soon as they have it on their phone yeah absolutely so you might be going on holiday moving home going on a diet perhaps you're a keen garden you've got a, a lot of courgettes or marrows. Um, perhaps you've had unwanted gifts, Airbnb, guests leaving stuff behind. You've worked late for whatever reason. Um, you've got some food in your home that you're not going to eat on time. You just snap a photo and upload it to Olio. Then your neighbours who live nearby get an alert letting them know that food's available. And what's the radius that it goes out to, to those people? Uh, generally about two kilometres. So the vast majority of sharing, it really is kind of hyper local. Proper neighbours. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of walking distance. And operate all over the UK. All over the UK and yeah. all over the world, yeah. actually, now. Um, but, yeah, so you sort of someone then messages you to request uh, what you've added to the app and then they pop around and pick it up. And that can either be pop around to your doorstep or, or a public location, whatever you feel most comfortable with. And it is worth saying, I think it's very easy sometimes to be sat in your home looking at a head of broccoli thinking no one will want this or, or, you know, two lemons. Who on earth is going to want two lemons? I can assure you there are people who desperately 
would like that. So half of all our food listings added to the app are requested in less than two hours. Wow. Wow. So we always try and say to people, just give it a go. Um, give it a try and, and you'll probably be sort of pleasantly surprised. And perhaps if you're someone who hates food waste and doesn't generate any food waste, then maybe have a declutter. We have a non-food section as well. Um, oh, so if you've got toiletries or cosmetics or picture frames or light bulbs, bubble wrap, all the way through to toys, clothes, um, furniture, etc., can also be shared with your neighbours for free. So everything on Olio is for free. We, we feel very, very passionately that... Um, the future of business has to be profit with a purpose. Absolutely. Um, and at the moment, we're considered a little bit strange <laughs> and it certainly makes our lives very difficult when we're trying to uh, raise funding, for example, um, because the concept of a business that's doing good is, is sadly quite an unusual thing. But the reality is that we have an enormous number of problems in the world. They needed solving yesterday and business is just an incredibly powerful, scalable uh, way to do that and so but it's we, true there's just such a wide stakeholder in businesses now yeah. isn't it it's not just the people who own the business it's it's the consumers it's the people who are affected it's the, yeah. the people all over the world who are affected by all the activities that we participate yeah. in each day and i think we'll increasingly see sort of different types of businesses so something that's quite unusual about olio that we haven't touched on yet is our volunteering model um so normally you associate volunteers with a charity yeah but uh we have twenty two thousand volunteers uh, and these are people who are passionate about our mission they believe like us that just it's criminal that food's being thrown away when people want it or need it so if anyone's listening and they want to learn a bit more about food waste they're listening to this like <laughs> lots of us they're really kind of shocked and depressed yeah. about it and they want to be a bigger part of this conversation. Yeah. You know, do you have any resources or something that people could go away? Anything you've read that you thought was particularly interesting? Any books or websites, yeah. apart from obviously the Olio app, to actually start making yeah. a practical difference? Is there anywhere that we can learn a bit more about the issues? Yeah, so there's, um, if you want to sort of a deeper look at the problem of food waste, there's a great book by Tristram Stewart. Okay. Um, I think think it's called the global scandal of food waste um that's an absolutely amazing read and that really was i think the first kind of expose into um, the enormity of the problem of food waste if you want a more light-hearted take on it go to youtube and look at john oliver's rant uh, yeah. about the problem of food he's the waste. american comedian he's the american right? comedian yeah. yeah um does a great take on just the absolute absurdity um of the situation and then of course on our website which is www.olioex.com we've got a whole section of kind of facts and figures about the problem of food waste okay that's brilliant and then we have one final question that we ask all our guests so what's the practice or mantra that you live by every day certainly one of the things i think speaking from personal experience um from someone who has only found their passion extremely recently it's been absolutely transformational. Uh, and I think it's very, very easy to be very risk averse and to stay doing sort of the job that you have or living in the place that you currently live. Uh, and I encourage people to just look outside that. Think because about on what that, you left are. a you know, very successful career in the corporate yeah. space. Yeah, and that's a did. brave move. Yes, it was. And <laughs> took a pay cut of down to, you know, a quarter of what I was being paid before. Um, and everything about my life and my lifestyle changed dramatically but it was just the most amazing thing I've ever done are you um, happier now absolutely 
That's inc- it's honestly Absolutely. it's just been yeah. inspiring on every single level. Yeah. Yeah, um, Tessa, today. thank you so much. I've sat here in awe. Thank you, Tessa. Honestly, you. It's, it's been really incredible. So we hope you enjoyed today's show and tune in next week where we'll be interviewing Dr. Hazel Wallace. And we'll be talking about lifestyle medicine, changing our diets and what's happening in our NHS at the moment. 